Hi, this is Samantha, and you're listening to the Layman's Doctor podcast, where we're bringing medicine home. Today, I will be continuing my series, The Medical Doctor's Journey, Non-Traditional Pathways. And this is a series that I created last year and have been continuing over and over um, as time goes on as a way to let medical doctors know in Jamaica and to some extent, the wider Caribbean, once you're kind of like UE trained, some other things that you can do outside of being an intern, SHO, medical officer, or even doing a residency program in Jamaica. Not that anything is wrong with that, as I've continuously said. I just don't want anyone to feel as though they are boxing and they don't have any other choices. And I will be continuing to use this platform to speak to other physicians as best as possible who have done things outside of that box um, to show you and myself that if you have dreams, like if you want to be a musician, you can also be a doctor and musician. If you want to do medically adjacent work, you can go ahead and do that. If it is that you want to go abroad and study as well, that you are totally capable of doing that. So today I actually have a guest. His name is Dr. Suleiman Tijani. He is now in a fellowship after completing a residency program in the United States of America. And I've been a little focusing a lot on international examinations because, you know, you ride the wave. That's the climate that we're in right now where doctors are feeling like they need, they still want to be a part of clinical medicine but they don't necessarily want to practice medicine here in their country. And, you know, you can talk about it as much as you want, but, you know, um, about your, your opinions and what it is and what it isn't. Um, but I think it's a great time to have persons who have gone through the experiences and gone through the, the process to come back and talk about it so they can give their experience and give some little nuggets and tidbits and you as the listener can really get a wider picture of what it's like and if it's something for you so i'm going to invite tijani to just come and introduce himself to us and tell us a little bit about himself and we'll go right into it and talk to how he went from being an mbbs student and being a ue grad to know um doing a fellowship in the states hey good to be on the um, podcast with you um, Samantha. So, um, first, I want to start by just saying um, all praise and thanks are due to the creator that lives in the earth. And we're grateful for everything that we have been um, provided or have gotten the opportunity to um, accomplish always. So, my name is um, Suleiman Tijani. Um, I, was, uh, I was born in Nigeria. And then, when I was young, um, my parents moved to Jamaica. So, I absolutely enjoy or I, one of the benefits I like telling people is that I got to really benefit from being in Jamaica. So I'm very, uh, I really, really love Jamaica. I love the fact that we were able to um, grow up there. Um, and so a lot of times when I talk, I come from two perspectives or two cultural dynamics. And I think that gives me a good perspective or a good balance in a lot of things. Um, I did um, my high school. Um, high school in Jamaica, I went to Excelsior High, and then after that, you know, I went to UA, did MBBS. Um, thereafter, 
like all of us, you know, we do our internship rotations at Minds at um, KPH. Shout out to KPH. I really enjoyed uh, my general surgeon internal medicine rotations there. And I went to Bustamante um, Children's Hospital. And then I did um, Victoria Jubilee for obstetrics and gynecology. After that, I found that I was very drawn to um, all things lung and pulmonary. So I went over to um, National Chest Hospital and I did pulmonary medicine for six months as SHO. And I did um, thoracic surgery. Um, and then from there, I um, came to the US and I did my internal medicine um, training at Harlem Hospital. And then after that, I'm now in fellowship in pulmonary and critical care um, medicine at East Carolina University in North Carolina, US. So that's my brief journey. Um, we'll, you know, based on how the podcast will take different facets, but that's a little about um, me. Okay, thank you so much for being on here. So you did internship and you completed senior house officer. Do you mind sharing when you finished MBBS? Oh, sure. Yeah, man. Class of 2010. I mean, we still... <laughs> class of 2010. 2K10. Still see ourselves as, you know what I'm saying? The, the graduating class. <laughs> we just have this hype about being class of 2010. Wow. I don't know why. Maybe because we had one of the best um, smokers, if not the best smoker ever. You know what I'm saying? We have... Um, Rhodes scholars um, from our graduating class. We have people in all different programs. We have people who um, are in different mm. specialties in Jamaica, <laughs> across the Caribbean, in the US. I mean, it's class of 2K10, <laughs> you see. You know what I'm saying? So we're very proud. Yeah, 2K10? Yeah, we're very proud of being 2K10. So I say that very openly. <laughs> so as for persons who might not know a smoker it's a production that you put on in third year that is usually a play and what it does is it's, it's a charity so you raise money to give to whether a hospital or a health facility is really dependent on what you guys want it's a huge production that your med class not just mbbs but also dds comes together and puts on before we're separated into our MBBS and DDS programs at that time. So, what was your smoke about? Since if you must remember what it was about, if it was so great. Yeah, man. So our smoker was about. I don't like putting the the way the narrative was, but essentially, um, we we really went Afrocentric with the smoker we had like original african costumes and i know that because being from nigeria i um i gave a lot of the like my, i spoke to my mom and we actually gave a whole bunch of clothing and the man were in authentic nigerian wear you know i would check how them say certain words i'm saying no man you know in nigeria you don't say things like that you change your voice and so we had people using authentic like you know as best as they could <laughs> african type um um thoughts it was it was just and it was just, it was just a massive production it was amazing amazing you know what i'm saying the man i'm the best thing i ever see so wait, the they thought it was hollywood you're nigerian style. but you're you're nigerian <laughs> but your accent is very very much jamaican so as in nigerian but born in jamaica born in nigeria come over to jamaica which yeah, man, so I was I was born in I was born in Nigeria. I was there for a little while and then um, moved over to Jamaica with my with my parents. So um, you know, one of the things, especially 
because um, we're going to go into this sometime in terms of um, talking about how do you make yourself stand out when you go for interviews, is one of the things about me is I use these to know that that's what makes me authentic. That was That's what makes mm-hmm. me different. That's what makes me my true self. So when I'm sitting in front of somebody and they're going to interview me, I like to tell them about who I am. And I'll tell them, yeah, man, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm from Nigeria. And, you know, there are days I will use Nigerian accent. Especially if you're in Jamaica and you don't, and you know, police want to stop you. You say, officer, what is the problem? He said, boss, man, you're African. I said, oh, me, I'm African now. Okay, you know, says African, you know. And then, you know, the driver always said, respect officer. I said, oh, yeah, oh, you get the Jamaican accent. So it, it, it allows that. <laughs> It so it sounds like something you've actually done, you know. No, no, I mean done that. I would never do such a thing. Come on. Now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, no, I, you know. So I, I'm, I, and I tell people that all the time. Very proudly, mm-hmm. um, Nigerian. But I'm super proudly Jamaican. Like anybody who knows mm-hmm. me will tell you that about Tijani. Tijani, um, like I absolutely love all my, the experience that has being the sum total of me. And I say that to anybody who's coming up, whether it be in medicine or any other field, really, you have to be the sum total of your true self, you know, and, and, and realize yeah. that a lot of times persons aren't looking for the bland. They don't want to hear the same answer. They don't want to hear, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I love medicine. Yeah, everybody loves medicine. What makes you as an individual different? And uh-huh. people, people want... To, to, to know that you are going to bring something else to their um, experience. And so I bring that to their experience. I bring an authentic person who, listen, this is where I'm coming from. I came from Nigeria, very African, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm also from the Caribbean, so I understand what it's like to be in the Caribbean and be Jamaican and so on. And so that is how it is. I'm born in Nigeria, raised in Jamaica. You can't get me, mm-hmm. you can't pull either of them out of me. That's just how I am. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to to move your career to the States? You wanted to pursue residency abroad? Um, I think I think so when I when I went to Chess Hospital, one of the amazing things about um when I was at Chess Hospital is that I was working with the con- some consultants who they themselves had gotten some training abroad. And a lot of times they they were so evidence driven and I said wait this is like I really I really love the, the the style that they would um you know do their rounds with um and so on I don't want to mention any names I can mention names I'll mention names but I really love the style with which they would do their rounds and stuff like that so I sought mentorship opportunities with them and that's another advice I give to people seek out mentors like be willing to actually reach out to persons and ask questions and figure out their journey and they they impose I mean I say listen um you can stay in Jamaica and you'll get you know solid good training but what you are looking for specifically you'd probably be better suited going to the States and I think that's kind of what made me decide that I wanted to leave because suddenly when I start reading a lot of things and I, I read things from a medical standpoint not just the medicine but how things are put in place right so I remember having to see patients who particularly, like, for instance, they had like a long nodule, then I would read the system of how you're really supposed to take care of patients that have long nodules and having what's called like a 
thoracic conference and bringing in different people on board and you thought this i said wait well how can we have so when i start realizing the system that is required i said well no i have to i have to leave because i want to better understand how to holistically care for patients and not just do a one narrow type thing um and so that's what i think started pushing me to to, to decide that i wanted to to leave so it wasn't really and this is why I think each person's why is just different. And while it's good to hear everybody's why and know what possibilities exist out there, each person's why is going to be completely different because it sounds like you decided to leave not necessarily because you felt, oh, I can't stand it here, I want to go, but more so because what you were interested in and the the type of training that you wanted, you didn't necessarily feel that you could get it here. And it's not to bash our training here. We have excellent residency programs in Jamaica. However, how can I say this in a nice way? There are some limitations. And that's just the reality. Yes, there, we have there's limi- going to be some we limitations. Have limitations. Yeah. We have limitations in our residency program. So we, we have re- we're really good for like hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we haven't necessarily delved into like nuclear medicine, genetic mm-hmm. medicine, um, or the level of even research that exists in the States or other first Absolutely. world countries. So if you're someone who is seeking that level of experience and, you know, your interest area is more in that, of course, it makes sense to go somewhere that you're going to get that because yep. you might not be fulfilled staying here. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. At what point in your career was this? Was it, did you do medical officer? Like, you, yep. did you Absolutely. do that? So after I did my two years at SHO, I went on to do like five or six years as an MO at Chess Hospital. Okay. In what? In thoracic surgery. I absolutely loved being at Chess Hospital, you know. And okay. uh, one of the things with um, working at Chess Hospital is that the cardiothoracic surgery program um, is split into Chess Hospital, Bustamante, and UI. So we had these Wednesday morning conferences where people are presenting okay. some of the more, um, you know, different topics and so on. And so I'm presenting as well. And so as I'm seeing this, my thirst and passion for the educational experience is rising. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also seeing the limitations at the same time. So I say, why I don't think I'm going to get what I want to get out of staying in Jamaica. Now, the next transition for me is transitioning from surgery to medicine. Right? Hold That's on, a- hold on, hold on. Put a, put a pin in it. Because there are a few things I want us to draw out of this. Because you successfully matched into... A residency program after being in the medical system here at least five to seven years so that means Absolutely. you didn't match after internship or SHO <laughs> but rather you were a medical officer for quite a while and it sounds like if you were working for five years they could have mm-hmm. get your MO2 status oh yeah and um get your MO2 level pay and I think a lot of times what we think is oh gosh, I've been out of school for so long. Mm-hmm. It no make no sense. Let me just settle for this. It doesn't make any sense as I even bother to try because while the, the word on the street is that they prefer persons who are closer to finishing, it's not impossible. 
No. The other thing I want to ask is, were you at any point in a program in Jamaica, or were you just working as an MO? So, so, f- so for the first question, um, in terms of experience and years in working before you apply out, um, one of the first things is that there was a um, MO in plastic surgery that used to do um, KPH and Chess Hospital. Um, I don't necessarily want to mention his name, but he had been doing that for at least, at least 10 years. Right? And then he matched out. So he was one of the first persons I reached out to. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, how this happened? And he, you know, he talked to me candidly. It's like, yeah, and I did this and I did that and, and so on. So it does happen. And what, what I think your podcast is amazing is that persons who want to go in this direction, hearing a variety mm-hmm. of experiences, one, it continues to inspire you because sometimes it can be a frustrating experience. Two, it allows you to not listen to the naysayers because you hear other people that have done it. And three, it empowers you with the information. So your podcast, I think, is fantastic um, for that reason. Going on, to the sec- <laughs> going on to the second... Oh, absolutely. Going on to the second question. Of you. So yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that the, the year I matched is the year I also matched for the program in Germany. So... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So you had to make a choice. You had to make a choice. So, like, oh, do I, what did you get through for here? Cardiothoracic surgery. <laughs> and then, but, but didn't you match for medicine? Absolutely. So now you are, think about that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm having this discussion between, am I leaving? And you know, I think about, you know, for, for persons who are in surgery, surgeons, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, it's, it's like a, I don't like using the word club, but you know, it, like you can just club. understand. Uh, All right, fine. We'll use the word and club. And cardiothoracic is elite. Oh, like, can you imagine me. passing on a cardiothoracic <laughs> residency program? Wow! Whoever got your spot must have been so glad you decided to go. Oh, I'm going to study internal medicine. Can go on with that. <laughs> so, and it's you know, it's so crazy because as I look back. And I look at what I have experienced, achieved, you know, learned in, in this period or this um, portion of my life. I do not regret it. And it's so weird to say because I love, 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 love thoracic surgery. Still have a love for the subspecialty. Still love talking to, I have MOs there and um, residents in the program there that I still talk to. And I still call them and say, yo, what a case. And okay. And I, so I still love it. I transitioned mm-hmm. over. And I do not regret transitioning over because it's like another world opening. You go, oh, I never, okay, okay. So, all right, medicine, internal medicine, sweet. <laughs> I also feel like I also feel like there's this idea that you can't love more than one thing in medicine, which is 100%. so not true. One hundred percent, and I think, and it happens so early because you think you know. I remember we were when we were in um, medical school. We were on a rotation um, with one subspecialty. I'm not going to say it, but it's another subspecialty. And the jokes that we make sometimes, it almost forces us into these little blocks. I say, yo, mama, you cannot... That oh, yeah, surgeons go. don't use stethoscopes. You know, why <laughs> surgeons need stethoscope for? Please. Any, anytime you see a surgeon with a stethoscope, you must run the other direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. And so when, I, when I'm coming up in medicine, med school, and I said, okay. But I realized that, no, it's, you're absolutely correct. You can't, people have passion and love for these, you know, multiplicity of disciplines. 
And when you get the opportunity to explore mm-hmm. it, and that's why I am humbled. I'm humbled because there are a lot of people who they end up loving multiple disciplines, but they don't get to experience it. I got to experience my love of both disciplines. So I love pulmonary medicine and I love thoracic surgery, right? And when I was at Chess Hospital, people would always tell you, I was doing, like, I would always be with the um, pulmonary medicine people, them, and if them ask me a question, I want to learn more about it. But then I want to go into the operating room. So, you know, I got to experience the thoracic surgery portion. And um, coming over here now, I get to experience internal medicine and pulmonary critical care medicine. And I think even when I was in Jamaica, I always loved both. But sometimes you feel like you have to do one or the other. And um, mm-hmm. when I reflect on my experiences, I love the fact that I got to do both. You know, I've gotten the equal amount of time that I've done thoracic surgery for, for the five, six years. I'm now in my quote unquote fifth year of um, doing um, internal medicine and pulmonary medicine, you see? So it's like I've gotten in the past 10 years to really get to love both sides and I don't regret it. And um, it's part of the, 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 the things that I tell people when they, when they go for interviews is be your genuine self and be your true self and know how to answer so that people know that you are more than just what they see on paper. Because think about it, I'm going into internal medicine interviews with pure thoracic surgery on my yeah. resume. Like, how does that work? <laughs> so, it, um, it requires understanding your landscape. Just to stray a little, little, little bit, right? <laughs> you have persons definitely that love both of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So, say, for example, I have an equal love for surgery and medicine. How mm-hmm. do you, because you can't, realistically, you might not be able to specialize in both. How do they decide which is which, which one to go with? And I will, I, I think that um, that at that point, that's when you start thinking of, well, what is my work life balance gonna be like? Um, how is my family life gonna be like? How are the finances? And you start thinking about more than just the the specialty itself, but how it's gonna affect your life as well. So what do you think? What would you say to somebody who is having a difficulty deciding between more than one specialty? So I think one of the one of the first things that persons should do is to actually sit down and do, you know, some deep introspection just as you um you started up discussing. So number one, what do you love about the specialty? And in terms of your future goals and future plans, um, how does this specialty really fit? into it because you're not just that specialty you're not just a doctor you're gonna have many other things um that play a part in your decision making so like look at family you know you have, we've already asked our family to um sacrifice so much med school residency and so on what is that going to look like for them um number two what's your quality of life going to be like you know are you gonna constantly be having to run from one thing to another um and then number three you know look into the future of that specialty, you know, are there other more exciting things that are going to come down the line for which you want to be ahead of the curve? And so you want, might actually want to go in a different direction um, a little early. So study broadly, look deep into it. The, the previous way of thinking that everything is all black and white, you have to do one um, surgery, you have to only do this kind of medicine. A lot of the lines are being blurred now. Interventional radiology mm-hmm. is doing a lot of things that surgeons used to do. So 
do is it that you want to do certain procedures, but you can do it as an interventional radiologist. You can do it as an interventional pulmonologist. You can do it as an interventional cardiologist. You see? So once you start realizing some of those things, you start realizing, oh, then it's not just only one way of doing things all the time. And so when I did all of that is when I now realized that, okay, based on what I want to do later, um, starting family, quality of life, this direction that I, that I eventually took was a better direction or would have been a better direction. And I haven't regretted it since. And that's what mm -hmm. I advise people to do. And it can't be, well, what did, you know, like it, I can only tell you what are the tools I use but I can't tell you your family situation. There's some people who family is not a factor for them at all. They're like, no, no, that's not an issue. So I can't tell you, therefore, it's a factor family when it's not a big factor. So I would just say those are the ingredients. And when you put all those ingredients together, then you make that decision and then you drive hard towards it. Okay, exactly. So let's go right into the meat of the matter. Let's talk about your process to actually going away and... I already have a podcast talking about the step-by-step -step process to doing the exams and everything. So I really want us to hone in on the matching process. So give us a little bit overview. How was it studying for you? Did you work while you were studying? Did you take time off? Um, I know that you actually did more than just USMLE. So just give us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think when I decided that I wanted to, to leave, I kind of studied the entire landscape, right? I even studied about um, Australia, about South Africa. Um, so I kind of looked broad and wide, and I, and I settled on three, um, on doing um, the PLAB for the UK, um, USMLE, and then doing the Canadian um, MCC EE exam. And so I, I then narrowed into just doing the US-based one and the Canadian-based one. So now that's even more money, even more traveling, because you have to travel to Canada for some of their exams too. You can, um, one you can do outside of Canada, the other two you have to do in Canada. And now I'm doing, I'm working. So that means I have to take on a whole bunch of sessions to be able to afford um, a lot of these um, exams and traveling. And then also what I started to do is that I realized that time management became so important. So number one, when you, when you decide you're going to do these exams, when you go to work, really be at work, you know, focus on the activity that you have to do at work, you know, very little distractions, accomplish you need to accomplish at work. Because when you get home, you don't want to be thinking about work and you're taking things home and certain things you're going to try and do before and so on. No, and even presentations that you have, if you get a little downtime at work, you don't have a lot of stuff to do, start putting all your presentations together. Really do work at work. When you get home now, you know, really focus on your time schedule. Actually create a schedule for yourself. So you say Monday when I get home, by about six o'clock, all right, you're not going to relax, watch some TV, maybe watch the news. And then by eight o'clock, no, boom, from eight to like 10 or eight to 11, pure, you know, mm -hmm. meetings. And you just beat the book and you do the questions and you get familiar with the, the study material. And you do this every single day and you give yourself interval breaks while you're studying, you know, 10, 15 minutes, walk around, call friends. Well, don't call too much people because you have people that are going to drag you out for how long, right? But, <laughs> Talk to people every now and then. Um, How long then, did it take you to do the exams? How long did you study for? I was in both the US and the Canadian. So the whole process took me two years. I've heard okay. of people who do it in shorter time. If you're only doing the US exam, yes, you can do it in shorter time. Mm -hmm. And I still wouldn't recommend doing it in shorter time. If you were doing the US exams how, while working, how long do you think it would have taken you? I think... 
I still would not have done it in a year. I would have still, I still tell people to stretch it over two years, especially if you learn, if you realize early, that's what you want to do. So you fresh out to SHO, you're doing one or two years of MO, you know, stretch it over two years. And why I say that is number is that number one, you want to get a really quality score. However, I should say, if everybody's been keeping abreast of some of the changes, there are changes coming to step one now where it's not going to be scored. It's going to be yeah. pass fail. So, but what is most important is you don't want to have a fail on any of these exams because it's one of the things that programs look on. Like they've squinted them eye and go, uh, boy, it's something you can explain out when you, if you get an interview, but it's just, it's just another hurdle to, 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 to jump across that you probably don't want to give yourself. So really give yourself the time to study. And then because the material, MBBS is great, and the things that we cover is great, but you're dealing with a different kind of medical system. And so you want to give yourself, I say to people, at least four to six months, especially for step one, because you really want to make sure you cover the material. And some of the people that do exceptionally well, yeah. actually give themselves a year. I've heard of people who went just... Six months, meaning not working, just pure beating. Six months of working and studying and six months of only studying. But I think our MBBS program is so strong, right, that we are well, like, if you really went through the whole physiology and so on and all the things of pre-med, we really have a good um, foundation that you can build on in doing it six months while you're working and studying. That's my own personal opinion. And what I think persons should do is to actually schedule out a time factor and don't just study willy-nilly don't just like you know, one day you're going to study the next day yeah. well i never get to study yesterday you know well you're on a, don't do that right because you already don't have enough time right so actually create a study plan and stick to it it'll work out um in the long run so that's the first thing then when you're moving on to doing the step two ck or cs you know when it comes to the clinical skills people say boy no i don't know anybody who can, who can fail cs but people can and one of the things that you need to realize as cs is actually read their cs material we go in there thinking it's like an oski type thing that we do in jamaica but actually you're being judged by a patient you're not being judged by an examiner so it's not that you're a consultant or a senior resident sitting down looking at if you get every single technique correct no this is a patient right a trained patient saying whether or not they thought you were empathetic, like you're actually concerned about their complaints, that you are, you are actually pressing and you are gentle as you are pressing. Like we're not, we don't think about all of these things when you're doing asking. Because when you're doing asking in Jamaica, your aim is, no man, make sure I actually do the right steps and I actually do the tactile prometheus roll and this, that, that, that. It's a little different for CS. So actually study what it is that CS is looking for you to achieve and then learn, you know, do practice runs for typing. Because you have people go for the exam and forget them have to type, you know. So actually do the practice runs. Um, they've made some changes to some of their CS structures now. So be abreast of the changes. And when you come to the step two, the clinical knowledge part two, sit down and go through the scenarios in the books. Do the same study um, timetable that you have. Go through the scenarios. Go through the question bank and ensure that you are consistent. What affects a lot of us is inconsistency. So you run a good week, and then the following week, you don't do anything. Then you do another good week, and then two weeks, you're off it. And then you become frustrated. Go back to it. 
said, boy, I had a system going on now. It, it, I just fall off. So be consistent. So those are my things. Be consistent. Create a time um, schedule. When you're at work, be at work. Once you leave work, focus on the study material and always reach out to people for motivation, right? Don't talk to those people who are, as I like to say, people who find problems for every solution. Don't talk to those people. Talk to friends yeah. while you're cheering corner and actually going to cheer you on. I have people that say to me all the time, you know what, people don't get you on something, brother. Like, it's just a waste of your energy and it just makes you, it just depresses you because you're already struggling to study. Don't, don't waste your time on those negative energy. And if you can avoid telling certain people, you don't have to tell everyone that you're doing it. It doesn't have to be a thing that you publicize, mm -hmm. right? Because you will have people feed into negativity, whether from envy or whatever. You can't be with that. You don't have time for that. Focus on doing what you have to do and only tell people who you know are strongly in your corner and going to give you good motivation and good support. Definitely. So, okay, so it took two years to prepare because you were doing both the American and the Canadian system. You looked at other countries and you're looking to see what ultimately made you choose the States versus the UK or even going to South Africa or even Australia, where I know that some persons have studied in as well. Yeah, so I think the key thing for the states is that number one for me was the length of study. So it's going to be three years, and you, I would have, you know, essentially been board certified in internal medicine. So I realized that I would have, from then, even if I didn't get into fellowship, I would have been finished with at least one level of the training in, in the kind of system that I wanted to be trained in. And then after I'm that, then I can move on to doing other things. So one of, one of it was the timing will be three years. The next thing was that once you're finished, is that you are a attending or a consultant. When you look at some of these other systems, especially the UK, to get into some of the actual training programs, there's one thing to go there to go and work. You will be able to go there to go mm -hmm. and work. But I was already working in Jamaica, so I didn't want to go somewhere else to work. I wanted to go somewhere else mm -hmm. to be in an education program. So I said, people, it depends on what you want. I know what I wanted. I want to go in an educational um, program. I want to have this thirst for um, knowledge, the acquisition, and the teaching it to people. And, you know, so I wanted that opportunity and that experience. So then I realized that, okay, UK, not really for me. Similarly, the Australian thing, not for me. And um, the South African side. And so, they, so I was there now able to just narrow into the U.S., and the Canadian because I realized that these two would provide me the best opportunities for the training, the time I could get finished, the quality of life I would have afterwards, and then still be able to probably come back to, to Jamaica and still um, impact and give mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right, let's talk about matching now. Okay, you did all of this while you were still employed, yep. which is what I think a lot of persons are trying to juggle being employed and still studying and it just sounds like it takes it's either you're gonna have to compromise on something you're gonna have to compromise on time meaning taking a longer time and being disciplined and having a plan more so than if you want to continue working i mean even if you're not working you still have to be disciplined but you, you have to understand that you might not be able to achieve what you want to achieve in three months if you're working versus extending that out to six nine or even 12 months you did the exams you did step one step two initially and then you went on to match how was that experience 
Right. So, so um, I mean, I entered the matching process, but I didn't yeah. match initially. So, you know, when you do the step one and then, you know, you do your second steps, you've gone through the entire process. As I said, you already have a podcast on that. So we're not going to go through that so much. Once you get into now wanting to match, it comes down to, you know, putting everything or your sum total of who you are onto this um, application and then reaching out for the interviews. And, you know, you get the interviews, you go out, you, you do all you have to do. But one of the things that I learned, having not matched, and I think that's why it's really, really good sometimes to talk to people who don't match. Also, if you talk to persons who match in their first run, you'll get a good sense sometimes of all things can just line up for you perfectly. But I mean, sometimes when you talk to people who don't match, you'll learn from their experiences and hopefully you'll match in your first run. So some of the things that I found out is yes. the, the importance of really, really studying your audience, you know, because a lot of time in the U.S. system, their students, they're very used to the interview process. How many of us interviewed before we get into med school? How many of us interview? None of us. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I was interview um, to get into the residency and to get into um, a particular hospital. So we're, we're really not used to medical interviews. We're not used to interviews a lot of them in general, especially as doctors coming from Jamaica. So that I didn't do a lot of the first run. And so um, by the time I was going in for the second run, I focused more now on learning the audience and improving my CV. So I went and I did step three. And then um, when I went into the second cycle, and it's strange because when I eventually matched into Harlem, the program director was kind of surprised when I came for the third round. Because he was like, wait, I thought you would have matched already. So it was kind of strange to him. So the moment he saw that I didn't match the third time, he was just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I was able to match that third goal. But I think what I learned is constantly looking at whether or not there are certain areas that you can en enhance on. So adding U.S. clinical experience, adding doing step three, adjusting your interview skills, technique, and strategies. Yeah, and once you do those, in, the, in, in most cases, if you look at the, the statistics, after three to four years, almost like 80% of people match. It's just that it takes that okay. much out of people to to actually go back to the drawing table, you know. But I think the benefit of me not matching is that I was I'm now able to tell people the importance of going back to the drawing table. And because of how we are as doctors, you didn't get it. Like there's a feeling almost like oh you never match. Oh my goodness. Da, da, da. But I don't I don't see that as a negative thing. I see it as a means of growth and a means of you know, learning what not to do the next time you try something. And now when I look at all that I've achieved post-matching, even when people heard that I didn't match my first time around, them go, wait, who never take you the first time? You know, they're even more shocked. But that's fine. That's why it's important mm -hmm. to go through the process and don't give up and be sure of what you want to achieve and constantly go for it. I want us to take a step back a little bit because you started this process where you had basically been an MO for a few years. So this is a really interesting podcast or a good discussion to have simply because we are showing that some of our ideas towards going away to the residency, it's not stagnant, like things are dynamic. 
So Absolutely. you didn't leave after internship or SHO year or even after your first year as an MO, but after having substantial experience at National Chest, right? And yes. then going back to your matching process, you didn't match the first time. You weren't successful the first time. So you went back, you did step three. Second time didn't happen. You went back again and you did the clinical experience abroad. And all across the board, what I've been hearing is really about setting yourself up for the most success. And I think this is why this is also an important conversation to have just across the board, not just with you, but for other persons who have matched. You will see where certain decisions made um, was what really helped them out. Because you even mentioned we had a lot of technical difficulties. You guys, the listeners won't know that, but we had lost some footage where we had talked about how you got interview training. So you, I have, wait, a question that I have is that each time that you did the matching process, you got interviews. Yes? Yes. Yes. So, so it was at that point, it wasn't that you were incapable of getting the interviews. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not interested in talking to you. But right. if you listen to my previous podcast with um, Tariq Parker, the latest one where we talk a little bit about the matching process, I have a linked video about how the matching process works where after you have an interview, the interviewers rate you in their top 10 or they rate you as how much they would like want you to be there. And what it's literally saying is if, say, arbitrarily, Harlem has you on their top 10 and you have right. them as their number one choice, then you're way more likely to get into that program or you're almost definitely going to get into that program. Right. So what I'm hearing is that after each process, it's almost like you said, okay, I can get the interviews, but... I, there's something more that needs to be done to let me move from the interview process to actually getting an offer. And you said that you did training on how to take the interviews so that you could have that experience. You also did another exam, but then you had mentioned that the clinical experience really showed you to say, okay, let me, there's some things I should focus on and there are some things that maybe I shouldn't focus on. And that's really an, an experience that you can really only get if you put yourself in that scenario. Time and time and time again, I've heard how important it is to learn the system that you're going into and be knowledgeable of where you're going so that you can maximize your chance of getting in. You know, you have to see it as a journey, meaning that you understand that you're trying to get somewhere. So you never stop growing and every single experience is a means by which you learn and you'll improve so in my case i mean i matched on my third attempt and you know one of the things that i kept hearing each time i didn't match is i would hear from people you know people would almost kind of make it seem like man you're still you're going again you're going again you know and i use that to to fuel my passion and to kind of avoid the naysayers. So the first time I went into the match, which I think a few persons do often time, we kind of dive head first and we don't gather as much of the information. And so I'm hoping that persons who are listening to like this podcast will use this podcast as an opportunity 
to kind of gather a, a lot of the information before diving in so that you don't make a lot of the mistakes that other persons made from. And that's the height of wisdom that you learn from other people's mistakes. You don't necessarily have to make those same mistakes. And so that's one of the first things, you know, it's kind of like understanding, um, you know, deadline. When is the full application supposed to go in? When you go on a lot of these programs, they'll tell you that they accept applications to like December. Mm, not so, right? If you're an IMG, as much as they're accepting applications up till December, you really want to make sure that the moment that portal opens up, your application is in. So I think those are some of the things that I learned in the first go. I thought, you know, well, yeah, I should have some time and make sure everything is perfect. Wanted the perfect letter. Everything has to match up. And so it didn't work out the first time. But then I sat down and I said, okay, well, what can I do to improve or enhance my CV? Because I was like, well, I mean, I got maybe one or two interviews. So surely there's some other thing I can do to ensure that I get more interviews and I stand a better chance. So what I did is that then I went ahead and did step three because people say, you know, if you do step three, it'll enhance. Did steps, got a little earlier into the application um, season. So when I put my application in, got some interviews. But then at that point, I then had to also learn that there are things that you say at these interviews. And we're not used to interviews. You know, did you ever interview going into med school? Nope. Did you interview after you finished med school to, to look for a, a, a job? Nope. No. Only, I don't know. Did you interview for medical officer positions? You know, you, you'll go there to try and convince them that this is the hospital I want to go to. And this is where I really want to go. You know, but now maybe it has become so competitive that um, we probably have to be um, interviewing. I had to interview when I was applying for the program. Uh, the program, right? Yeah. yeah so definitely have interviews for that right so, but look how kind of late that is into it you know what i'm saying so we don't have this practice of interviewing whereas this is how their system is they interview pretty early and so that i also have to learn to say when i did not get through the, uh, in the second goal i kind of sit down and all this time I'm, I'm disappointed these are not easy decisions because you're putting out the money into this each application cycle is, is, is money and you know you're traveling for these interviews and staying at hotels and so on so it's money it's time it's psychological it takes a lot out of you but when you realize that you're trying to go to an aim or you're trying to get to a particular point you shouldn't be easily dissuaded and i know of a lot of persons who they started applying and they said, you know, simple things like I tried, but then I don't know. I just, it just never, I don't think it's for me. Or they, they, they put all the application in and they didn't meet one particular deadline. So they kind of stopped. No, this, this isn't something that you, you, you stop. This is something that you, once you know that this is what you want to go for, gather all your information, understand the challenges that lie ahead and push forward and surround yourself with people who give you, you know, real positive um, or constructive um, feedback. So then after that, now I'm like, okay, what else can I do additionally? You know, then I had a friend who had already matched. And so he pointed out to me, hey, listen, you know, c consider US clinical experience. And I was like, well, you know what? That's kind of true. So now I took vacation time, you know, and I came up for a clinical experience during vacation time. So that these are the things that people need to keep in mind that you do make these sacrifices, but you do them when you understand the goal that you're trying to reach. And so I came up and I did clinical experience at the University of Texas. And it was challenging to kind of line it up and make sure everything fall in place. And you had to be making the calls and, you know, people will be telling you that person is not here yet, you have a callback and you just have to press on and, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. 
And then the person I worked with, I did interventional cardiology, thoracic surgery, and pulmonary. Those are the group of doctors I, I kind of did my clinical experience with. They were wow. They were like, yo. I was telling them about how our clinical medicine in Jamaica is. And they love that. You know, that's when I started realizing that, oh, I probably need to tap into that a little more. Because, I, I mean, as I've been reading now, and many p- people will know that they've started a lot of um, projects. One of them is called like, Choose Wisely in the U.S. And what it really is, is just that a lot of time there's blanket medicine. People just see a patient coming with like syncope and just throw everything at them. Boom, 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 you're going to get a cast, you're going to get a this, you're going to get a that. And then she was like, wait a minute, you know, let's start studying. Are we really overdoing it? And so now it turns out that the way we were trained at UA really is like it's a phenomenal set of training because we are sitting down and not because something is available to you mean that you should just order it, but you really have to sit down and analyze. So that wasn't strange to us. That's kind of how we were trained. So when you come into this system now, you take that UA foundation. I tell you to people that one of the fantastic things about UA training, and I really hope it continues to be that way. I hope that is it really is still that way. But the way we were trained is that you get such good preclin foundation and then good clinical foundation that it just takes you through. And when you come into these um, situations or scenarios in the hospital settings in the US or Canada or, or England, they're wowed. They're like, Wow, okay. And you pay attention to little key details and auscultation and, you know, the techniques and you can teach other people the techniques. And they're wowed um, by that because sometimes people are losing the art of medicine. Medicine is also an art. There's a way in which you do it to make it look beautiful and just feel good. And people are losing that too. So I think once I realized that from my clinical experience, and then I got some really fantastic letters of recommendation from them also, I think that now catapulted me on my third try. And I think that on that third try is when every, like everything just kind of fell into place almost seamlessly, you know? I went to multiple interviews and it was so crazy that almost every single interview I was going to, it was like, yeah, man, I think that went really, really well. I think that really, really well. And I was getting like amazing feedbacks. And so when I matched it, like I kind of felt it. I was like, you know, if I did this the first go, I probably would have matched the first time around. But I wouldn't have grown. And so you never regret the experiences that you have because they're part of your growth and they're part of making you who you are at the time. And you don't get, um, you just don't get pulled down and don't feel dejected. Just understand that it's all part of the experience. And then I'm hoping that when people hear me and they'll be like, yo, what? This dude matched on his third try? Yes. <laughs> you know, like I, I'll probably say it's not a, I don't have an um, issue with that because a lot of times we also create this narrative of always, especially as doctors, you always have to hit it out the park at the first go because we were always the, that, that quote unquote standout individual, not realizing that matching has many other factors and facets to it. You know, I know of a friend or a colleague, I could say, who got like, I think like 11 or 12 interviews didn't match. Like, wow. Don't be, what? Yeah. So, so a lot, there are a lot of factors to it. I know of another colleague, and I think it would be great if you were able to get him for the podcast. I don't want to shout out him name because I kind of, you know, have to tell him. He only got one interview. The brother got one interview. I kid you not. One interview. And knocked it out the park. Wow. One day, if people hear you get one interview, say, one interview? <laughs> <laughs> You know, no, no, no way I go, man. Go back to Jamaica and start again. Knocked it out the park with one interview. So 
you never quite know how it's going to um, line up. And so that's what I always tell people. All right. So lastly, if we've said a lot, so we've talked about a lot in this, and um, if there was something that you could say to maybe your younger self or to someone who is kind of in a similar situation, maybe they didn't match on the first time, maybe they didn't match on the second time, or they are years out of the system, and but they're looking for something different. They're looking for something, some change. They want to get out of the system here. They want to go somewhere new, or they just want to go into a specialty that they would not be maybe offered um the same way if they did it here locally what is like a key advice that you would tell this person uh, so the key advice i would say is number one don't rush to make decisions right so i think sometimes we are so just because of the I mean, for some people, I know it's frustration. In my case, it wasn't so much, but I've, I know of a lot of colleagues who it literally was frustration. Like, yo, I cannot, I cannot, I, I can't say they're so frustrated. So it led them to make this. So don't make decisions out of frustration. Meaning, yes, you know, you decide you want to go on and, and, and so on. Give yourself enough time. Like if you, if you don't feel that you're ready for the exam, don't take the exam because a fail or you know i mean they're gonna switch the scoring system soon um to just pass fail but a fail is such a difficult thing to try and explain when you when you go into these interviews you don't want to have stuff on your cv that you're trying to explain out over and over and over and over so that's one of the key things i would say don't rush to make decisions it's literally better to have to, to wait that extra six months and really get good solid scores and you know don't rush in terms of the application also plan it out right so if you know that the deadline is in september you know you don't you can't in october now running around trying to talk to consultants to try and see they can upload in time and stuff like that so that would be my first advice don't rush this actually plan it out actually sit down and um you know listen to podcasts um such as these look online um learn the um, no, no, it's, listen, it, when I was doing it, I didn't have, um, podcasts like this. I didn't have a, a lot of the resource materials. I had friends. I could have one and, you know, call one at a time and everybody was just kind of doing their own little thing. But I feel like we have enough people now that have done it, that we owe it to ourselves to reach out to these people and don't feel like you're doing it alone because you don't want to reinvent the wheel and make the same mistake over and over and over. over. Just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, and then you keep in mind that people all over the world are doing these exams, right? And so you are literally competing against the world. So why would you not be advantageous and literally look at, well, let me talk to people who have done it and how well they have, they have done it. And I can tell you, um, persons have reached out to me and I literally, you know, try to tell them, do this, do this, don't do that. Don't say this in the interview. Don't say that in the interview because it's, you know, it's the least I think that I can do because at the end of the day, it's going down, it's going to be down to you and you yourself when you're going, when you're going to do that interview with nobody else. Right. But I can at least give you certain little pointers and stuff like, you know, try this, try that. Um, so that's the key thing I would say. Don't rush. 
actually plan it, um, plan it out, do the, um, do the homework, and which I've said kind of in um, um, through the um, podcast, and I hope everybody get this kind of theme from from our discussion here is try to to be selective in who you allow into your mental space because people will frustrate you and give you a whole bunch of bad energy and you know as I was saying to make us bad vibes and just make you feel like you're going to do this thing for me and there's any few frustrated is those words in communicate that doesn't make any sense to do this thing right and you will see other mm-hmm. people succeed and you're wondering oh well how it didn't work out for me yeah because you allowed too much um, you know, um, too much of this into your space. I've also le- seen colleagues who are friends in Jamaica who went and rushed it, and then you know it didn't work out. And I tell them, yeah, because you rushed it, there is no need to rush. You're not racing against anyone. And people in the past have matched, despite being how many years out of UE. And I am such an example too. And then now I'm in fellowship. You know, and people wait. How, how you get the right? So it's. There's a system at play, and your aim is to try to maximize on all your strengths, and your strength is trying to do the best in that exam, and say, don't make any sense that you're rushing into it. So don't rush. Do your um, homework. Do actually the research work. Reach out to people who have matched before. Reach out to podcasts and different um, avenues that you have to get the information. And lastly is to not you know we sometimes because because we are in jamaica and it's something to me too when you're in jamaica you're in the caribbean we have an, a way in which we're thinking about medicine right so we're thinking that if you used to do surgery and you want to come over to internal medicine or where that going sound or if you used to do a particular subspecialty and you're going to move to another one how strange is that going to be that, that is our kind of way of thinking it doesn't necessarily translate over to, to, to the U.S. and to other countries, right? People move through subspecialties. People move through, um, you know, um, uh, occupations. So it's not, it's not that huge a deal as we sometimes make it out to, 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 to me. And whenever people challenge me on that, I say, listen, I, I did cardiothoracic for like five years or, you know, primarily thoracic for like five years before switching over, right? So it's an experience that I have. I'm not telling you something that I think or fanciful idea. I'm telling you what I know and I'm telling you how I was able to make that transition. So keep that in mind also. Don't think like, oh my goodness, I used to do pediatrics and now I want to do internal medicine. They're going to wonder why I'm switching over. Eh, No, if you can actually convince them why it is that you want to make that switch, People will take that, you know. And lastly is um, do not be afraid of asking for help, you know. Um, I think sometimes, especially those of us who, you know, who went to UA in, in Jamaica, it's like a, it's a thing. Like, yo, no, I don't want to ask somebody. Okay, fine. You're going, you can, you can, we can all have this idea of I did it by myself. Okay, great. Have fun with that. You know, what I know for a fact is I had persons that I reached out to. I had persons that I sought advice from. I got some good advice, some not so good advice. And so similarly, I I think now that we're at a point where there is so much information out there that you should be willing to um, seek out advice. 
I didn't go for it. You know, that's what I think. I think if you really, really want to go for it, you know, go for it and let the chips fall where they may. All right. So you have told us so many things, so many bits and pieces. And guys, I really have to apologize. Um, I just feel like my editor is going to do such an amazing job at putting these things together. But I really gave her a, a really difficult job to do just because we've had so much difficulties actually getting this part together. But, you know, we got it. The information is out there. I hope people get inspired. I hope that you realize that no matter at what point in your life you are, that you always have options and you're able to fulfill your dreams. So Tijani, usually at the end of it, you have like a segment where you can shout out people or you can promote something and also you can share with us your social media if you're willing to of course and um where people can reach you and if they can message you and ask you questions and stuff like that yeah oh well so i mean my, my biggest shout out really goes out to my um to my family right uh, to my wife and um, just the amount of work that it does take to kind of go through all these things. So, you, you know, you, you get a good amount of love and support. And then my, um, you know, my parents, my siblings and stuff, it's just been an absolute, um, they've been absolutely supportive throughout, you know, a whole bunch of the journeys and the ups and the downs um, and so on. Um, you know, I, like, you know, I said at the beginning, I was working at Chess, and I, I, I found Chess to be just one of the most remarkable places I've ever worked. You know, this is with me working even here in the States, just the whole culture and the people and the thing. So huge um, shout out to Chess Hospital. And I am on Instagram, Dr. S. Tijani, Dr. S. Tijani. So, you know, feel free to message me, send me a link there, you know, follow um, and you'll see just some of the crazy stuff and how I'm enjoying, you know, fellowship and being a physician here um, in the in the U.S. So I do want to thank you also for, you know, for the podcast and work that you're doing. It's well needed. It's important that we start diversifying and kind of listening to different minds. Um, and it ultimately is going to make medicine in Jamaica better. There's no way it's going to make medicine any worse. It's going to make it much better. We're going to hold each other um, accountable and we're going to be able to say to each other that hey you know there's a kind of a better way to go, go about doing some of these stuff and you know it's you just really trying to put the knowledge out there and get people more informed so it's absolutely fantastic to so shout out to you and your team and just the amount of work that you guys have been doing is absolutely fantastic um, and lastly I mean the first you know the place I matched up was Harlem Hospital and it, it was like it was like an extension of working at Jamaica, honestly. The, the, the people are just so amazing. Um, and it was just like treating your own people, people you know from different parts of the world, Nigerians, you know, Jamaicans, Trinidad and stuff. It's just, it was just that kind of vibe. So it was absolutely amazing. And in all things, we are blessed by um, the creator and what um, has been, um, you know, carved out for us. And so we remain humbled by that because... It could be carved out for somebody else. So the fact that we um, are the one that's been carved out for, we appreciate that and we remain humble. And, you know, uh, I say thank you very much for having me on. And, you know, feel free anytime, shoot me 
message question also and you know whenever you want to invite me again hopefully it won't be as hectic this time next time around. <laughs> but i definitely look forward to it it was really fun and it was really good just kind of sharing some little you. tidbits and you know learning from you too it was it was really good awesome thank you so much so guys if you want to get in contact with me you know you can shoot me a dm on my socials that's going to be instagram and twitter at the layman's dr um you can send me an email at the layman's doctor at gmail.com all spelled out or you can go through my website the layman's doctor.com and reach out to me i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you learned a lot and i hope that you were inspired thank you so much for listening until next time bye